Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Next on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our roles as husbands, what an awesome responsibility, what an amazing privilege God has given us. And today, we want to take a look at God's Word to see just how awesome and amazing it really is from God's perspective. What is it when we love our wives, husbands, as Christ loved the church? That's the subject of our time today as we continue our series on the role of the Spirit-filled family. Please join us here in Ephesians as we continue our broadcast here today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Here's Pastor Phil. Men, don't let your kids run over your wife. No matter what age they are, she's the most loved person in that household in your eyes. At least you've got to convince her of that. She needs to know that. I love the story that Dobson tells about uh, the woman who had a stroke and uh, she was embarrassed at the thought of the husband coming to the hospital to see her. Her left side was drawn and she was uh, self-conscious of it and really didn't want him to come, was fussing about her hair and fussing how she could look her best. And uh, he shows up the hospital and uh, there she is, stroke victim, face drawn. And he immediately starts saying, aren't you cute? You look wonderful. You look beautiful. And she said, oh, you're kidding. Oh, no, you're wonderful. And uh, she said, honey, quit. That. He said, no, you, you look, you, you're just as beautiful as ever. And then he came and he leaned over and said, well, we may have to relearn to kiss, but that's going to be fun. And he leaned over and tried to get his lips to match her drawn face. Because in his world, he was committed to this woman and she would always be beautiful to him. Just the opposite of the woman that says, if I gain 10 extra pounds, will he love me? Will he love you? He'll have more to love. <laughs> now, don't everybody go out and get obese. <laughs> but, I mean, all that childish stuff kind of evaporates. Uh, that it should not be that kind of a condition. She must not live, but she feels unique, set apart, holy in your eyes. Show her a love that is gentle and caring. And he says there that as a man takes care of his body and he nourishes it and he cherishes his body, and he, right in verse 29, it says he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. It's the idea that he... Uh, he has a relationship that he will take care of her as well as he takes care of his own physical body. And I just looked at these words a bit, nourish. Uh, the word to feed is too narrow. It really should be nourish because it thinks of your psychological and emotional well-being. It's not just uh, here, here money, here's the grocery money, go eat some more. No, 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 no. No, it means watering the emotional life, watering the plant. I love that great line. 
You know where the grass is greener? It's where you water. It's not another relationship. It's watering the one you've got. And when you nourish that relationship, you're watering it. You're a, you know, if you're too tight to buy fertilizer, don't expect good fruit. You know, that, well, those trees are not bearing like they used to. Well, it's been 10 years since you put fertilizer on them. You think you might invest a little? And that's the way we do in marriage. We get married, and pretty soon we make withdrawal after withdrawal after withdrawal. And pretty soon he says, you know what? Our love is just dried up. He says, you're right. There's not any investments going on. It's amazing what we do in courtship that evaporates as soon as we get married. You know, you, you take, whoa, somebody restrain that woman. This is total audience identity here. That, uh, you know, man, the phone bill. Uh, I, I remember when Rebecca came home uh, last year, they were dating. She, uh, she came home, Jason's at school. I said, uh, you can call him, but you got to pay the phone bill. Would you believe $200, $300 phone bills? Did any of you ever have that kind of stuff? You wouldn't be that crazy. Hey, I, th- there's no amount of talking to a woman worth 300 bucks a month. <laughs> now you're down here fussing over a $30 dress just to talk. How many times can you say, oh, baby, I love you. Say it again. $300 worth. And I just bring the bill in every month. Hi, hon, you and Jason obviously are getting along good. I want 300 bucks. I'm not in love with him like you. I want to pay the bill. But oh, I mean, the flowers, the courting, the, the crazy things, hours you kept. And then you get married, and man, the only time you go out is when the stove blows up. <laughs> and all that look in her eye, you know, my favorite line, I love it. The last time she had any sparkle in her eyes was the night the electric blanket shorted out. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's bad. Because it's paying bills, changing diapers, fixing the meal. And then both of you having a fight over who gets the clicker for the night. And, you know, if my wife turns to home and garden one more time, I'm going to scream. I mean, two channels over, they're killing somebody. I don't know why she won't turn to it. You know, uh, my sacrificial love is I watch them paint something when I'd rather see them killing someone, you know. Uh, cherish her. This word cherish meant to, to literally heat. And it was used of passion to inflame. But then it came to have the metaphorical idea of to comfort, cherish, warm. In Thessalonians, it was used of a nursing mother. Paul said, I was as gentle with you as a nursing mother. And one of my daughters is nursing now. There's nothing any more magnificent, beautiful than a dependent child on its mother's breast. Nothing more tender and warming. And here he says, cherish your wife. Be be warm towards her. Emotionally respond to her. And uh, I find that often goes out in marriage because we switch from affirmation uh, to expectations. And, uh, you know, if Carol and I could just get along the first five minutes in the car, uh, we're going to have a good day because I'm getting instructions by the time I'm pulling out. Put on the brakes, turn left. And if I don't, just, just tell her off. 
we might have a good day. But I go zonkers with her telling me after 38 years how to drive. I, I'm a good driver, but she says, you were trained in Richmond. I was trained in Concord. Oh, then I go ballistic. <laughs> As though my education was not superior. Uh, fourthly, show her a love that is indissoluble. That really that's a bad sentence, not as, as well stated. That she's an indissoluble part of your being. We have become one flesh. We are welded together. I've left something to have you, and you've left something to have me, and we've been joined together, and the word is to glue. It was used uh, in biblical times of welding things together. We're welded together. We don't talk divorce in this marriage. We don't talk walking. We don't talk leaving. How can I leave something that's welded? We're welded. Your strengths are mine. Mine are yours. Your weakness is mine. My weakness, I mean, wheresoever thou lodgest, I'll lodge. Wheresoever you go, I'll go. We've been welded. This is the divine intention from creation. Sin brought divorce. Sin brought hardness of the heart. But we're talking to a spirit-filled Christian couple that want to do it God's way. Sin is the divider. Sin is the wedge. And so we want to just keep reminding. They say one of the greatest fear uh, that women, I read it years ago, is the fear of abandonment. The fear of trusting someone who will leave them. We want to do all that we can to take that on. So her fifthly, a love that forgives and refuses to be bitter. Uh, and I picked that up from the Ephesians. And Colossians says it this way. Look at Colossians. Just a few books over. 319. Husbands, Love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And his idea is do not be bitter with them. Uh, Satan gains his entrance into our marriages, I see, through unresolved conflict that leads to bitterness and unresolved anger in the marriage. And when that happens, all the emotional aspect of romance, all the emotional respect is done away with. And then the chain reaction is Satan gets a foothold when anger goes down on our wrath, when things are not seriously dealt with. And then the next step is it enters into our conjugal physical relationship in 1 Corinthians 7 that we withhold our bodies. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with our attitudes about the physical dimension. It is we are wounded and crushed in spirit over the unresolved issues. And so we can't bring an authentic love to the bedroom because we're hurting, we're bleeding, we're in pain. It's like asking a wounded victim to make love. And they're saying, you've never addressed the wounds of my heart. Now you want my body. I don't want you to have my body. And then Satan gets a double whammy. He gets his the physical relations break down. Then we're tempted to immorality. That's the excuse. If you don't make love to me, I'm going to be tempted for another woman because the Holy Spirit's not controlling me anyway. Because if you died, I could be celibate in the power of the Holy Spirit, but I want to blame you. A non-frequent sex life 
is no excuse for pornography in another woman. You're still a Christian. You still have the Holy Spirit. You still have God's commands. And it's the very commands we give our young people. And it ought to apply to us. We got to be pure at any cost. At any price. And we don't use that. But Satan gets the double whammy. He gets us emotionally in Ephesians 4. And he gets the physical side of marriage in 1 Corinthians 7. So we've got the devil in our marriage. And you don't need a third party in your marriage. Deal with problems seriously. And don't withhold your love from one another. That's what he tells us. Show her a love that is considerate and understanding. Peter says, dwelling together according to knowledge as with a weaker vessel. Then he says, because she is a woman. And uh, uh, love finds an opportunity to uh, minister to her in her weakness. And it accepts it. Uh, I think of uh, women just with the way God made them. I call them a, a chemistry factory. You get them on a 28-day cycle, their chemistry is unpredictable. Uh, they wish they didn't have that chemistry, but they've got to live with it. Uh, vulnerability in physical weakness, having children. Uh, oh, what a, what a task. What, a, what an event that is. Uh, menopausal years. Uh, chemistry off the map. I mean, these are all biological, physiological things she has to live with. It's a part of her constitution. You may view it as weakness, but weakness biblically is not an opportunity to take an advantage. It's an opportunity to love. It's an opportunity to care. It's an opportunity to, I understand you. And, uh, you know, I never want my enemies to know where I'm vulnerable. I don't want my enemy to know my weakness because he'll use it against me. But I ought to be able to be vulnerable and weak with that one who loves me the most. And it will not be used against me. And so Peter says, live with her in an understanding way. And uh, I think of Dobson. And uh, I just refuse uh, or just review what Willard Harley, he wrote the book, uh, Her Needs, His Needs. And... Uh, his five things that she wants in a marriage versus him. She wants affection. He wants sex. She wants conversation. He wants recreation. She wants honesty and trust. He wants her to be good looking. She wants financial support so she can live comfortably and carefree. He wants it to be peaceful and quiet when he comes home, even if everything's falling apart. She wants him to be a good father. He wants her admiration and respect. So 10 things, totally different list. Understand those things about her that she needs and wants. There's many a man here learned to go to the mall that find no joy in it. And all the men, could you just raise your hand? Don't say amen, don't went on the tape. <laughs> she needs it. Ordering by catalog is looking better all the time to me. If you want a lip lock at night, you better go to the mall in the daytime. That's real practical. Uh, show her a love that honors and respects her. Treat her with respect or honor. Ascribe to her worth. 
I just heard a 1943, am I right here? I think someone told me it was a 43 or 45 penny. It's now selling for like $400,000. It blew me away when I heard that. Or what about the baseball that Barry Bonds hit? Where did it finally go for? A million? One guy bought one of them, I understand, and gave it two Bonds. See, they took a, a baseball and ascribed a value to it far beyond anything you can imagine. And Peter says, honor your wife. Ascribe to her value. And uh, I wanted to read to you what uh, Smalley says in his great book, Love is a Decision. Uh, Do that lest her spirit is closed. And he says the things that closes a woman's spirit is harsh words, belittling her opinions, unwilling to admit we are wrong, taking her for granted, jokes or sarcasms at another's expense. And I've been dealt with harshly in this area by you and God. Uh, Not trusting a person, forcing a person to do something they're not comfortable with, being rude. And we saw this film series and it, it just about ruined, made my marriage. Because I never knew when my wife's spirit was closed. But out of the whole series, she learned this one visual. And when I'm doing something, she just goes up with the hand. I thought, oh, she's not grasping the air. She's not, you know, chasing star. She's, you're doing something to my spirit. And I just want to go over there and just pull back the fingers. Mm. No, you're closing my spirit. You keep talking. And if you keep on, it's going to be more than a closed spirit. I want to hit you. How could you? Oh, living with you is easy. And then if I just hear it says, I say, oh, good. It's going to be a good day. I many times. A harsh word, attitude, irritability, barking instead of talking affects that spirit that you want to remain pliable and gentle. You have to honor and respect them. I wanted to read something to you. When you don't know when you're respecting them, if you can remember your vowels, do you remember your vowels? A E I O U. Real basic here. Remember the vows. A, she wants affection, not sex. Now, men translate affection. She's saying, no, just put your arm on me and hand me the credit card. That's affection. (laughs) Two, esteem. Just esteem her. She knows if you're treating her like the household maid or special. If the kids come first, whatever, esteem her. I, be involved with her. Uh, share your life. Don't, be, don't shut down when you come home. Uh, I used to come home, I'd be so tired, Carolyn would talk. I, we just worked out a thing. Just give me 20 minutes passing time. 20 minutes, then fill me in on the household. Because I just needed to transition. Uh, o is openness, open communication open vulnerability, and finally, you understanding. Understand her. Be sympathetic. She's just a human being. As you read Dobson, 
I mean, you see this uh, young woman that has two or three kids. Uh, she maybe left a nice job to take on raising a family. And all of a sudden now she's bombarded with loneliness, meaninglessness in a culture that says you're only worth what your check gives you. Uh, you get no bonuses in raising kids, you know. You don't get the annual review and a Christmas bonus. You just say, that a girl, keep up at it. Uh, the fatigue that she experiences in losing sleep, the schedule, all of those things. And her husband comes home and says, honey, I'm in a romantic mood. Are you? And she says, drop dead. <laughs> the last romantic mood you got in got me pregnant. I'm trying to recover from the last romantic fling we had. I'm raising Junior. Could you help me do the house? Honey, you'd rather me vacuum than kiss? Right. Vacuum. Do the dishes. And the men are totally quiet. Uh, I would uh, end by saying this. Our marriages are either represented by sand dunes or by sculptures. Sand dunes are shaped by influence. The sand is totally passive and subject to the blowing wind. Sculptures are intentionally planned and formed. And you can't let your marriage be a sand dune. I'll just let the winds of time blow it, erode it, and shape it in any way. I just, oh, it, ooh, it just came out a beautiful piece. No, it's unpredictable. If you see any of the films of the Sahara, the sand, when the wind's blowing, no, let's sculpture a marriage. Let's have a plan and a purpose. Praying about your marriage only will not change it. You've got to make radical changes. You've got to make a plan that it will not be sand, but it will be something that is shaped intentionally and on purpose. I am amazed at what God says. I talked with a son-in-law recently, and I said, don't worry about ministry. First of all, see if your marriage is worthy of ministry. When we look for elders, we look for those who are managing their own household well, for their family is cared for. The highest recommendation we could ever have is our family. I must say that. I've told my wife in the midst of conflict and in the midst of maybe bad-mouthing by someone, I said, as long as you think I have character, as long as you respect me, God will give me the grace to outlive criticism. But the greatest criticism is if it's in your own home, your children, your mate. If they recommend you, that's heaven's greatest compliment. Don't worry about how big a ministry you have. Just see how much of Christ is reflected in your home. Let us pray. Our Father, we could have a regular revival in this church if our home life was changed. I pray, Potter, change our marriages into the likeness of Christ and his church. This can only happen by your power. We see children who are untrained, children that are undisciplined, passive men, quarreling couples, and we want a spirit-filled church, but it always starts with a spirit-filled individual, a spirit-filled unit, a spirit-filled home, 
And then we inherit in the church what you've done all week. We pray, we pray. May every marriage here be challenged to conform to the divine pattern of Christ and his church. For the sake of his glory and honor that will be reflected through our homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Phil Howard here in our series, God's Design for Life. Getting a clue, an understanding, an idea of just how much God really loves us and the design that he has for your life and mine. This is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. And as we conclude our time together today, we're mindful of the fact that there might be those of you who would enjoy hearing this program again. As always, we have copies available on CD. Simply call or write to us or stop by our website. You can reach us by phone at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. Or stop by our website, truthfortodayradio.org. As you contact us, please bear in mind that we do continue this radio broadcast here on this station through the generous support of Truth For Today sustainers, folks just like you. With your dollars, as you partner with us financially, we'll provide to you, as our way of saying thanks, a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift. Take a break with Pastor Phil, the weekly video devotional. It's all available for you as you partner with us financially. For more information, give us a call. Our phone number, once again, is 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Music.